Okay, we are in Sefer Yeshayahu, Perik Mem Aleph, Pasuk Chav Hei, Harirosi Mitzafon, Vayas Mimizrach Shemesh. So, we are in the middle of a prophecy, or it's more of a challenge that Yeshayahu is directing at the false prophets of the other nations. And he's saying to them, come, let's talk, let's see what you have done. Let's take your past prophecies, the Avar. Have any of them come true? What's happened? What, what your predictions were, did they become confirmed? Moreover, your current or your future predictions. Have you accomplished anything? Have any of them come true? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no, because you're fraudulent, you're fake, there is nothing to you. And he concludes with Toeva Yivchar Bachem. Only the most abominable people would you have a following amongst. Now what he does, starting with Chafei, is give an amazing, amazing Nebuah that is 200 years after him, getting everything right, including the names, and it's a phenomenal, masterful prophecy. So we begin with Heriosi Mitzafon. I awakened him from the north, Vayasmi Mizrach Shemesh, he came from the east, Yikra Bishmi, in my name, speaking in my name, Vayavo Sgonim Kemochomer Ukemo Yetzer Yirmas Tid. And he comes trampling um, over um, the princes of other nations as if they were mortar, and as a potter tramples clay. Who is he talking about? Some say Nebuchadnezzar, but most Mephoshim agree this is the historical figure of Koresh. Koresh was the king of the new empire that replaces um, Nebuchadnezzar, the empire of Paras Umadai. What happens is that Nebuchadnezzar. No, he's the father of Ahasuerus, Koresh. Koresh is the father of Ahasuerus. Daryovesh is the son of the union of Esther and Ahasuerus. So Koresh is the king of this new empire that really came out of nowhere, Paras and Modai. They were mountain tribesmen. They replaced Bavel. Bavel had a 70-year empire. That was it. It came out of nowhere, um, and it left. It was an obscure little vassal state of uh, Asher, and it ends 70 years later. It's like, um, if I may quote Shakespeare, that it's like a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. Bavel disappears. In its stead is Koresh. In the first year, Koresh issues an astonishing letter. Now remember, he is emperor of the entire, and this is no exaggeration, of the entire known world, from the boundaries of Europe to the extremes of Asia Minor. He is the king. And in his first year, he issues a letter as follows. 
it's, you can read the letter in Ezra, but I will read it to you. Ko Amar Koresh Melech Paras. Thus says Koresh, king of Persia. All the lands of the known earth the Kaddish Baruch Hu has given me, and he means Nasamli Hashem. The Hu Pakad Alai, he has selected me, to build his house that is in Yerushalayim in Judea. Me Bachem, he continues, who amongst you Mikolamo of all his nation, Yu Elokov Imo Bayah Yerushalayim, will join this venture in Yerushalayim, Asher Yehuda, by even as base Hashem Elokei Yisrael, and build the bias of the Kaddish Baruch Hu in Israel. This is astonishing. You're talking about the king, practically, of the world, who is ruling a country, an empire, that is filled with idol worship and avodah zarah, and he is speaking to the people of Israel, telling them, go back, I've been commanded by your Kodesh Barakul to go back and build the temple, reconstruct the temple. It, it's, you can't overestimate the significance of this. Moreover, in Perak Memhe, which we're going to learn in a few weeks, maybe a week or so, Pasuk Aleph, Ko'amar Hashem l'meshicho l'koresh asher hechzakti. Thus says the Kodesh Baruch, to Koresh. He gives the name. You're talking 200 years in advance. He gives you the name of this individual Koresh. So now, what happens, as all too often happens, the Jews aren't that interested in going back. An advanced group goes back under Zubavel and Nehemiah. And what happens is that Ezra takes a group ultimately of 43,000. The Medrash tells us that had they gone back with any degree of numbers and enthusiasm, uh, the Mashiach would have come in the person of Zubavah. But they don't go. They can't get enough Kohanim, they can't give enough Levim, and Koresh offers to underwrite the entire project. He will finance it, he will supply materials, he will supply craftsmen, and they do not go. And it's an astounding prophecy in the sense that here they've been led out in chains uh, with great suffering. They now have become sort of the elite of the society that Daniel and Hananel become at the top levels of government. They have built yeshivas beyond anything that existed at the time in Eretz Yisrael, which are like Pompadisa and Sura. They have established Tanaim beyond anything we had, like Rav or Shmuel. They have composed the Babylonian Talmud, Talmud Bavli, which we study today. So out of this, when you talk with well, there was Avodah Zorah, there was no learning. Now the Sanhedrin is gone, the Beis Hamikdash is gone, and the king is languishing in jail in Bavel. 
they do all this. They create a society that was one of the greatest Torah societies ever. They are very comfortable in Bavel. They don't want to leave. And this is the fight that Koresh and Ezra have, is to get them to go. In the interim, some enemies of theirs uh, managed to convince that let's halt the deconstruction. Uh, it's not the, the building of the temple. And so for 14 years it's suspended till Koresh's son, actually be his grandson, Daryavesh, instructs them to go ahead. But they go with just a measly 43,000 people. And the commentators say that this is the template for Gullus. We get too comfortable in Gullus. And as we know through history, Gullus does not end well, ever. So this is what Koresh does. Now the Navi is reciting it to these prophets. And so we begin, that this man is going to come trampling over all other enemies. Now you, you false prophets, in Pasuk Chaf Vav, who among you, speaking now to the false prophets, who was able to foretell this? Could you tell this in advance? Or uh, did you know beforehand? That who would say this is correct? The Nomart Sadek, who is able to verify that this is correct? And Afein Maget, there's nobody. You are powerless. There was no one to answer um, to the king who's made this known. Nor is there anyone. Afein Mashmia, Afein Shomea, Imrechem, you have no audience. There's no one listening to your prophecies or your speeches. Interestingly, how does Koresh know to do this? Koresh knows by having the vision from the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And how does he know? He knows that Yeshayahu has named him to do so. So we see that construction finally begins, etc. And now we continue Chav uh, Zion. He's describing now, again, an event 200 years after his death. Yishayo is describing the two stages that the temple will be uh, built. The first group is already there. It's there, Zubavel, Nehemiah. They came to lay the groundwork. Uh, before the temple is stopped. The other, and I will appoint a herald, refers, believe it or not, to Daryevesh, who gives the order to resume. And so then, upon completion, the second group of Olin come under Ezra. Now, back to the false prophets. And I look around. There's no one there. And from there, there is no um, 
talk among them, no one there that I could ask or receive an answer from. In other words, you're blank slates, you're, you're nothing. Uh, compared to the true prophets of the Kaddish Bar, who you are false prophets, and Hain Kulam of an Ephes Ma'asehem, they are all, uh, in fact, sinners. Uh, they have accomplished nothing. Ruach Vasohu There is no breath, there is no life, there is nothing to their um, libations of the Avodah Zarah. And so you are empty. And so out of this we get, as what we say, a magnificent prophecy that tells again that in the future how the Kaddish Baruch Hu If I can add just a, a personal reminiscence, how true this is, this concept of the gullus, that we just become so comfortable. I remember, if I can indulge in nostalgia, the first time our family went to one of those Pesach programs. We never went as a family, but this was the first time, and it was in a place called Streza in Italy, on Lake Maggiore, with the Italian Alps as a background, the Swiss Alps in the foreground. And we took trips every day, to Rome, Florence, Venice. And so when it was all over, and there was a 24-hour dining room, there was shiurim every day, dafyomi every day. So the last night, Mosei Yantif, I remember the owner saying, the program manager saying that in Yitzhak Hashem, next year, we will gather again for the Pesach program in the Yerushalayim Habnuyo. And it was kind of an intake of breath. Everybody looked at each other saying, does that mean we're not coming back to Streza? And then he said, if the Mashiach doesn't come, it will be back here in Streza. And you could sense the relief. They didn't want to go to Yerushalayim. They're here in Streza. It was, it was brought home to me so clearly. And so what happens is that this is always, we know going back to Egypt, only one-fifth left Egypt. We know that in, the, in Spain, they wouldn't get out before the Inquisition made them leave. We see that in all our lives, that Gullus becomes a very comfortable existence. And as we say, it just never ends well. And here is the template for it. Bavel, the king, is saying, go. I'll pay, I'll build it, And no, they're in Bavel, where they have built a beautiful society, albeit a beautiful society, but in the end, they're going to be forced out. And we will continue with that in Mirza Hashem, Monday, 845.